Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and we have another interview for you coming up with a very special guest after a few quick updates. 2022 was a record year for us, and thank you to everyone who made it so special. We've already kicked off 2023 here in the first quarter. We're actually through the first quarter, and believe it or not, we're already recruiting for many of our fall marathons and half marathons. We've got so many races. Uh, it's kind of uh, amazing that the community has uh, has brought us back through the pandemic, through last year, and now we are, uh, we are doing more races than we ever have in our history. So our fall race lineup that we still have spots available, Chicago half marathon, Chicago full marathon. We still have a couple left there. The Berlin Marathon, one of the fastest marathons in the world, Twin Cities and Detroit, and many other races as well. To learn more about our upcoming races that are open, uh, feel free to check us out at our website at projectpurple.org. Also locally here in Connecticut, coming up on us quick here uh, is our annual Charity Golf Classic on June 5th. If you're a golfer, we still have some foursomes available. Those are going quick. Um, if you own a business and want uh, to sponsor our event, we've got many, uh, well, they're going up quick, but we, we can make something work. We've got plenty of sponsorship opportunities still available. Um, so again, check out our website, projectpurple.org for more details on that. Also, be on the lookout for our Dino's Double that happens in June. We just launched it. Super excited. It's our second virtual event for the year, just coming off our Purple Patties. We now run into Dino's Double, which is happening in June. To learn more about that, make sure to check out our website again at projectpurple.org and follow us wherever you are on social media to stay updated to all the latest and greatest that is happening here at Project Purple. Without further ado, let's meet our guest today, coming to us all the way from San Diego, sunny San Diego. It's always sunny in San Diego. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. As I, I was talking to our guest before we hit record, I've been to San Diego once. It was beautiful. But coming to us all the way from the West Coast, Fabiola Gomez, welcome to the Project Purple Podcast. Hi, Dino. Thank you so much for having me here. It's my pleasure to be part of this project, and I hope I can inspire some people to live like a healthier life, even having some little problem or a big problem maybe with the pancreatic cancer. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm looking forward to this episode because uh, I didn't do, I, which is which is common. Um, I don't do a lot of research on my guests because I always say. What I love about this podcast is it's like you and I meeting uh, at a coffee shop for the first time and just kind of talking about life, right? And and what you know brought us together, which is this thing, pancreatic cancer. So, um, I, I want to get into it. And and what is always customary here at the Project Purple Podcast is our first segment is always the guest opportunity to kind of share their journey with pancreatic cancer with our audience. Some people may know you, you may share this with your friends and family. And of course they know your journey and your story. Uh, but a lot of people probably don't. Um, and this is probably the first time you're hearing your name. And um, this is really your opportunity, as I said, before we hit record to kind of share your background. And as I said before, you can stay as high level as you want, or you can get as far into the weeds as you want. With that, the microphone's yours, Fabiola. Okay. I'm an open book. And uh, so whatever you want to ask me, you can ask me. I'm going to have all the answers for you. So my name is Fabiola. I'm from Brazil. I have been in the United States for over 21 years. And um, and I'm a very, I'm a healthy nut. Always have been. It was very uh, surprising for everybody that's around me and even you guys listening to this. That I ended up with it, ended up no. I'm continuing my life with pancreatic cancer. Nothing's ended here. So, um, I've been a personal trainer, more towards corrective exercise. I work with people with cancer. I work with people who um, are rehabilitating from um, injuries or or surgeries. And I'm also a dance instructor. I've been a dance instructor for over 30 years. So my whole life, and besides that, um, what I've been doing my for the last 11 to 12 years, I've been a vegan, 
I'm not a vegan anymore. Right now, I'm more like a vegetarian. So even when I was not a vegan, I was a pretty healthy eater. So my whole life was pretty much about fitness, about dancing, meditation, eating healthy. I always really um, valued this temple that we have that's ourselves. So I always tried to develop uh, the health in my brain, in my body as much as I could. But about uh, 2001, November 2001, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Surprise. I know it's weird. Someone with a background like mine to have pancreatic cancer. I have no no history in my family of cancer either. So pretty much I was chosen, a chosen one to have it. Uh, my symptoms was like um, for about three or four months, I was coughing a lot. And uh, in the future, I got to, to figure out it's because of um, acid reflux, because the tumor was already so big inside of me. I had the neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. That's the same that Steve Jobs had. So, um, so this cancer is not super aggressive like most cancers, most pancreatic cancers, but they, they can grow to a big size and then it can metastasize. How do you say that? Metastasize. Metastasize. Yep. Metastasize. I never can say this word, uh, to different organs. And with me, when they found out, it was already uh, taking over my pancreas and also my liver or, and my, my spleen. Okay, so here I go. I go to the hospital because I'm coughing a lot. They do um, uh, uh, blood tests. They figure it out that my calcium, my calcium was deadly high. And uh, what that meant is calcium is supposed to be in between 5 to 8. Mine was 17. So when calcium goes this high, um, you can have a heart attack, your organs can fail, and a stroke, anything like that. The funny thing about that is because I was having, I just had those symptoms for about three to four months. That was the cough. Then I started to lose um, uh, appetite, and then I was having a hard time to digest food just for three, four months, right? And then I was losing weight. And uh, the funny thing is, I go to the emergency room because one of my dance clients told me, Fabiola, you have to go to the doctor, to the emergency room today. You're losing too much weight, too fast, and you're fatigued. And I'm like, okay, nah, you know what? I'm fine. There are other worse problems for the emergency room to take care of, not me. No, I'm taking you there. So I was teaching a salsa class. With my calcium up to 17 and losing weight. So, um, as soon as I got to the hospital, they took me and they already admitted me. There was like several doctors. Oh my gosh, this girl's dying. Right? Because of the calcium that was so high. And I was like, guys, I'm not dying. I was just teaching a salsa class one hour ago. I think, I believe. And uh, that's what I like to inspire people, that my healthy lifestyle prior helped me to go through it and to get where I am right now. So, long story short, they found out the cancer was 13 centimeters, almost two pounds, and then, uh, okay, surgery. Couple of weeks, couple, couple of weeks later, got a, sur- a couple of months later, got a surgery. And uh, they believed they wouldn't be able to take care of that cancer because it was so big already inside of me. And they didn't have doctors here in San Diego available that my insurance would take it, that would be take, would be able to take care of neuroendocrines. Those are very rare cancers. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you're going to have to go to L.A. We are trying to find out. Then I found this amazing, they found this amazing doctor for me, Dr. Hart. I just saw him yesterday. He's my God in earth, you know, and he's like, look, I, it's new for me, but I will take care of you. And he's, um, 
transplant doctor. So I was pretty lucky to get a doctor with that kind of experience so over 30 years as a surgeon. And then, um, okay, two months later, they removed my spleen, 75% of my pancreas, and part of my liver. It was a very uh, deep surgery, ma major surgery, that I never even imagined the kind of pains I went through. It was the most insane thing. I felt a lot of pain before the, the, the surgery with the three or four months of uh, symptoms that I was having. And I went to the emergency room six times before my surgery because of the calcium and then it would affect my digestive system. I was always nauseous, throwing up. And But this surgery, do you know, it was insane. Oh, my gosh. Because in order for them to get all these organs from inside of me, they have to cut off many, 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 many layers of tissues because all these organs, they are located close to your back. But they cannot cut off your back because of all the nerves and everything that's in there. So they have to go from your belly. So they cut off several layers over there. Trying to heal from that, it was the most insane thing. I never imagined pain could have colors, tastes, textures. That thing that they say, what's your pain level from 1 to 10? That doesn't even exist, a 10 level pain. My, my, my level of pain was like 30. It was so much suffering. And I couldn't eat anything for almost three months. I couldn't eat any vegetables or fruits or 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 legumes, nothing like that. Because when you have a surgery this big, all your organs shut off. So everything you eat makes you very bloated and you're in major pain the whole entire time. So that's when I started eating other stuff that was not as vegan, like uh, eggs. I started eating uh fish because my body was able to digest that a little bit easier not much easier so my current weight right now one year later it's 126 pounds back then i was 90 pounds so i lost all my muscle mass remember i'm a personal trainer so i'm always lifting so i always had like big arms big legs i lost it all and i was really really skinny it took me, um, well, that's one year later. I'm in pain right now, but I got used to live with pain. Okay, it's just different type of pains. Nowadays, I work out almost as hard as before. I dance maybe harder than before, but I feel a little pain here and there. Three, four level pain that for me became something normal that I learned to live with. But um, for the first Six months, I had the hardest time with pain, with depression, all the things that we go through. Of course, the first month that I found out that I had pancreatic cancer was a storm in my mind, in my brain. I live in the U.S. by myself. I have no family here. Back then, I had a boyfriend who actually helped me out a lot with all this. We're not together anymore. But that was the person that was pretty much taking care of me. And I learned that I was loved by so many people. I already knew I was loved by a lot of people because of the type of work I do. I teach dance. I make people healthier. So I had all this connection with humans that I love, you know, but I didn't know was so deep when I, my journey, I didn't hide anything. Okay, since the first moment it's on my face on my Facebook, in my Instagram. My Instagram is fabulous fab fit dance. And uh I over there I don't even put as much, but I have another another uh Instagram that's I think I'm I'm not posting there as much anymore. It's the fabulous oh I forgot, Fabula Warriors, Cancer Warriors, something like that. So I post everything from the first moment, 
And uh, the first few months were really hard in my mind. I was depressed. People think like, oh, my, but this girl, she has so much energy. She's an inspiration. How can you be like that all the time? I was like, I was not like that all the time. If people followed my journey, I went down very deep like most people will go. And it's pretty normal. And especially when you're in pain, before all the surgery, my pain, of course, was the depression and desperation of knowing what is going to happen with me. I was never afraid of dying. Um, the way I feel about it is um, I've done a lot in my life as far as taking care of my body, taking care of others, a lot of charity. I lived in Africa for three years working with the orphans and, and schools. So it's like I felt like, okay, I've, my mission is completed. I think that's where my end is going to come. So I was not afraid of dying. But one thing I was always afraid that I took care of my body so much out of those years, I was always afraid of cancer. I will never have cancer because I don't use products, uh, chemical chemical products in my, my clothes, in my house, in my hair. I was always very natural because of cancer. So maybe, who knows, maybe I attracted that to me. Who knows? It just happened. Yeah. It happened to me. <clears throat> you know? That's a, that's a hard thing to to say to yourself, right? I think that's like somewhat right. natural that people go through that dialogue with themselves. Like you can do all the right things. You can eat healthy, you can work out and then still get sick and still get diseases. Right. And, and I think as yeah. society, we always want to know the answers. So mm-hmm. I, I got a couple of questions here that just popped up and I, and I, I want to kind of stick in the timeline. So you were diagnosed in in 11, November of 2021. And then you said that the real diagnosis, I mean, so this is interesting, being a fitness professional, being active, you kind of know your body. We've had people on before that, you know, we just had a lady who was from California. She was a runner. She was a marathon runner and she knew like something wasn't right. Right. So you said like, there was like a coughing, almost acid reflux, but and I know hindsight's always twenty twenty. Was there like, oh, I had this lower back pain from, you know, dancing for like a couple months, but I just thought, you know, you're just overuse, it's activity. So were there things that yeah. you can look back at now that you realize, oh wait, that could have been the tumor because so the, the surgery you had was probably the Whipple, it sounds like what you were explaining. No, it was not the Whipple. Oh, it wasn't the Whipple. Okay. No. But they still no. had to get to the, the pancreas there because it's yeah to do a quick anatomy here if this is the first time someone listening to the podcast. Like you said, it sits right on your spine. So if they go in through the front, they got to pull everything out to get to the, the pancreas, which is all the way there on the spine. So th- going back to my question though- so there were things that you can look back now and say, maybe that was because of the tumor. You know, look how interesting. I used to have for over two years, because this cancer, my cancer, since it's not that aggressive, it grows for many years until you start having um, the, the symptoms, right? So for over two years. Look, I'm a corrective exercise teacher, right? So what do I do? I, let's say you come to me right now, it's like, Fabiola, my shoulder, I feel like it's pinching over here. Okay, I know what to do. You're going to do this and this and this, this exercise, this is stretching, this release, and then you get better in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I had this hip pain for over two years that I couldn't fix myself. I went to physical therapist. I went to a doctor that does a technique called Barrow technique that releases the viscera from the muscle. Nobody could heal me. And this pain, I was not dancing anymore. I was dancing very little. And every time I would dance, I would be in major pain. So, surgery comes, take that thing off me. And of course, when you have something so big inside of me, inside of you it's not just that area that's gonna hurt if you have something that big all your other uh, muscles your fascia 
it's, we are kinetic chain, right? So everything gets crooked inside of you. You don't think about that. So I would feel like neck pain, back pain, hip pain, tendonitis on my ankles, all these crazy things. I was like, oh, I think I'm overusing. I'm working out too much. I'm dancing too much. I'm doing too much therapy to try to fix my hip. After I got rid of that, uh, that tumor, all my pains went away. I have no more pain anywhere but on the surgery. Of course, the surgery is still healing. But it, it, exactly what you're talking about. I had all these pains and I just thought it was like from exercising. <laughs> it's so crazy. So, so crazy how like, I mean, I get, you know, like, and that's what the frustrating thing is with, with both neuroendocrine and adenocarcinoma, like with anything, any tumor in the pancreas is that you have these like false alarms, right? Like hip pain, right? Like you're super active. Like, you know, if anyone knows their body is like someone who's active and in fitness and, you know, especially a coach, right? Sometimes coaches don't always take care. They're not always the best at taking care of themselves as well. But, uh, but you know, like it's so crazy because we just don't have like this diagnostic for early detection or even for detection until it's kind of like present and, and, and it's pretty evident that something's awry. So you go through this surgery, you have this, this pretty intensive recovery, and then do you do any chemotherapy? Like, what does that look like? Um, you know, post-surgery, like what is life like that? Other than, I know you said it was like pretty, pretty daunting in terms of, you know, your body and and what it did. And, and also the fact that, you know, and this is, I think the hard thing for, for people, who are already in really good physical shape that, you know, losing 10 pounds even or 15 pounds is a really big deal. And I lost 40. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 40. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was another person. I was a total other person. I look at myself in the mirror and then besides all, all the messes our brains are putting our, ourselves into, you still have the self-esteem problem. Because then you look, I'm a fitness person. I'm all about, okay, living healthy, looking at my muscles, looking good, you know? And then suddenly I have nothing. I'm just super skinny. And that was very hard on my brain too. But I just, I learned that muscle memory is something incredibly strong. You, I came back now better than I was before with uh, my lean muscle mass. But okay, going back to the to the question, what's the questions about um, chemotherapy and treatment? Chemotherapy. Like, so you have the surgery, so, do you do chemo? Like, what does that look like? As I said, my suffering from this surgery was something unimaginable for a normal person who doesn't go through something like that. I would imagine this ever existed in my life. I can't. Um, I don't want my my worst enemy to feel what I felt, but. After that, the doctor said, well, now you're going to have to start uh, on um, on radiation. Well, you know, I'm still recovering nowadays. The, the, all the pains I went through was way so much that I told the doctors, no, I'm not going to do. I think that's one thing that people need to know. Sometimes you have to listen to your body and not always listen to 100% what the doctor tells you to do, okay? My doctor, she said, okay, now it's, you're going to do, uh, would be five weeks of radiation. Five weeks? Yeah. I don't know if it's, yeah, five weeks of radiation. And then, um, and then, uh, I told, I told her now, I'm not going to do it. Not right now. You know, my type of cancer, different to a lot of the other types of cancers, it's not very aggressive. So I tell people, don't listen to me 100%. My cancer is not that aggressive. It's not going to grow in six months and going to kill me. Most pancreatic cancers do that, okay, If if you don't do the treatment. Mine, it's a slow growth one. I still have some cancer in my liver right now but it's the size of a peanut and it's stagnant right now it's dormant so i'm not doing anything about it so when they told me you're going to do uh 
radiation? I said, no, I'm not going to do radiation. 95% of my other cells are healthy. I will take care of this 95% of these healthy cells before I start doing radiation and burn anything else inside of me. If the cancer starts to grow, and then I notice that things are going to get complicated, I will change my mind. And my, I might go through radiation or through chemo, okay? It's, it's not, I'm not close-minded about it. But my suffering was, my suffering right at that point was so high. I was like, no, I want to heal. I want to feel good. I'm, I'm still in so much pain and I'm going to burn my body now with more radiation and feel different kind of pains on top of the pains I'm feeling. No, I'm not going to do it. So I decided not to do anything. What I do every day, if it's working, if it's not working, I'm not telling people, look, I'm a doctor. I do that and it's working. No, I don't know if it's working or not working, but I do a lot of things that people say out there that's good to kill cancer, right? I take a lot of uh, supplements, okay? I take, uh, and people who are doing chemotherapy, they should not even be taking most of the supplements because it really affects the chemo. And why do I know that? One, because I work with cancer patients as a corrective exercise. This is one thing that works. Exercise is ridiculous for people who are going through chemo or taking medication. That's the type of light chemo, you know. So my clients who are doing chemo, as soon as they are not too fatigued, they come back to work out with me. Sometimes it takes like a week and a half for them to come back. And then we, we, we I give them like a couple of sessions or three before the next chemo and they feel much better. So exercise, yes, this I can be a doctor about. Exercise and chemo do well together when you're feeling like you can do something. Okay. So after I got diagnosed, my roommate got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. What's the odds? This woman had moved with me three months after. And then she got diagnosed. About three months later, my client, who was, he was my salsa client for a long time. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer because I noticed their symptoms were close to mine. And I told them to go do, do a PET scan, to ask for a PET scan. Mm. They both had pancreatic cancer. So now I'm taking care of people very close to me who are going through chemo. They have the other types of pancreatic cancer, not mine. So right now, what do I do to take care of these other cells? That's what I tell people. I don't care if you have the, a very aggressive pancreatic cancer or not, but your mind should be on taking care of the good cells. The good cells in your body needs peace, needs nutrition, needs love. As peace, what do I do? I do yoga. I do meditation. As nutrition, I'm still very healthy. I don't eat junk. I avoid sugar, even though I like a little bit. I like my, my dark chocolate a couple of times a day. Just piece of, a piece of it. I should not even be doing that because without the pancreas, I can go, I can become diabetic. Mm -hmm. But my doctors are not um, worried about that at all with me. Because of my lifestyle, it's very different than the other people that I know that have pancreatic cancer. Um, so I don't eat junk. I don't eat sodas. Um, I avoid sugar. Once in a while, I drink socially. And, um, and I'm more vegetarian-ish. I say ish because once in a while, I eat fish or shrimp. But I... Go as much as I can vegan, vegetarian. Um, I eat eggs every morning and a lot of supplementation that I can do because I'm not into treatment. So I know it's not doing any bad for my body. Sour sop, supposedly, is very good to treat cancer. In Portuguese, it's called graviola. It's a, it's a fruit from the Amazon. I take, um, uh, very high contents of turmeric. I take garlic peels. 
I take B12. I take, um, while I was treating for cancer, while I was, um, before the, the surgery and after surgery, I was taking, uh, wheatgrass three times a day. I was drinking wheatgrass three times a day. There's this company here in San Diego that delivers to your house the, the wheatgrass for $20, you know, so, and that lasts like for a whole week. If you take three times a week, three times a day. And then, um, now I'm taking wheatgrass pills. Um, I take steam off, L, L, I, C, N. Um, yes, I take a lot of supp- supplementation that I believe it helps my good cell. If they are doing good or bad, I know they're not doing bad. But they're doing good because my energy level is always high and high and high. I'm always doing things. And I, my immune system is supposed to be low because of my spleen. That's what they yep. say, right? I says, you take your spleen, then your immune system is lower. Well, I don't get sick. I see everybody getting sick around me. I don't get sick. Um, what else? So I, I just want to jump in yeah. here for a second, Fabiola. So from hearing what you're taking... So it sounds like it's a lot of stuff that reduces inflammation. Like I know turmeric uh-huh. and garlic are big uh, inflammation bring things, you know, bring inflammation super down. And 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 I know like you know, for the audience listening at home, this might be the first time they're hearing this, right? And so there have been a lot of clinical data um so to to back the science behind this yeah. that by reducing inflammation in the body not just for cancer, but for a lot of things like this has like extremely healthy benefits, right? Another hypothesis, and I know people have done this is like with the cold, uh, cold baths, you know, for fitness, right? And, and, yeah. and, you know, we can relate some of this to fitness as well in the sense of inflammation, right? Like when you're, when your body is taxed, like from working out, there's so many modalities to try to get rid of that inflammation and, and to try to get your body back in flux so that you can perform at a high level. And the same thing, not exactly the same, but when you think about cancer, cancer is this cell in your body that's mutating, right? And it's feeding off certain things in your body. And, you know, if, and one of the, the, the astonishing things through research is that they know like if you're eating a high sugar diet, if you have high fatty foods in your in your diet, if you're obese, if you're smoking, if you're drinking, these are all adding to the inflammation in your body and also feeding the cancer cells, right? Like we know th- this is this, this is data. This is not Dino Varela at Project Purple making this no. up. This is clinical research. We know this. This is a fact. That's why we know that if you smoke, you're bound to get a cancer. We don't know what cancer, but you're bound to get cancer. If you drink heavily and and you're drinking every day, you know, a six pack of beer, odds are pretty high. Or yeah. even, you know, a glass of wine every night. Yeah. You're going to get some sort of cancer. Like eventually it's going to catch up with you, right? The mm-hmm. odds are also, we also know statistically if you are eating fatty foods, greasy foods, high barbecue, high carcinogenic diets, right? Like, you know, with with chemicals and all this other crap that you can get in food now, which, which is crazy. You know, who would thought yeah. like, you know, that you'd have to watch what you eat. Go figure. That's sarcasm yeah. uh, for those listening uh, that don't see me yeah. here on, on the video. But we know that if you eat a certain way with these certain nasty foods, I'm going to call them nasty foods, you're going to get some some sort of cancer, right? So, But we also know, as you said, like you can eat right, you can drink right, you can do all these things and still have the odds stacked against you in a way that you can still get a disease, you can still get a cancer. But what we can do is we can, you know, like to your point, which I think is awesome, and and this is a topic that we often bring up, exercise, I'll tell you, you know, when we, before we hit record, we were talking about the podcast. We've been doing this six years. I don't even know how many, I don't have an accurate count. We're over 200 guests, 250, 240. I don't know. I don't, I don't keep track of the numbers. 
but I've talked to a lot of survivors and, and there's some common pillars or common themes that we see with survivors, how they get through this exercise is always in there, right? Yeah. Exercise is so critical. And, and I, I feel as a cancer community, you know, so we don't talk about it enough. Um, I mean, exercise for someone who's healthy is really important, right? Like being active, not sitting on your butt. Like now, you know, sitting has become the new smoking as I've seen data, you know, then COVID came and then yep. I, I don't know what happened. Like before the pandemic, people were like really talking about how, you know, we had this obesity problem and, you know, sitting was becoming the new, the new smoking, right? Like it was, it was worse for your health or as bad as your health as smoking. The pandemic came, everyone got pushed to work from home, which I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole here or make up a theory, but now you don't hear about it. But like what changed? Yeah. I think we're sitting That's more true. because everyone's home, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And and a lot of people talked about that COVID-19 that they gained, you know, the weight gain because they were home and they were eating and, you know, but again, like, I don't know. Hey, like one in three Americans is obese right now. It's going to be two in three in, in like 10 years. Yeah. You know, there's a hundred and uh, there's what, 330 million people in the United States. And I think 150 million people that are pre-diabetic, there's 50 million diabetics, you know? So like, I, I don't know, there's something to be said about health and wellness as an overall message here. Um, but, you know, when we look at survivorship, you know, exercise is so critical, but I also want to make sure that people understand here, we're not saying like, hey, if you have cancer, like you need to go to the gym and bench 225 mm -hmm. pounds. Like yeah. exercise is relative to what you can do, right? If that yeah. means going out and walking down your driveway for 10 minutes or walking back and forth or taking a walk in your neighborhood or to uh -huh. your point, yoga. Pilates, you know, even stretching, like you can get a, a really good workout, get your heart rate going by stretching vigorously, right? So you can do all these things that doesn't, I think people sometimes hear exercise and they get turned off. It's like, oh, I got to go to Planet Fitness and I got to bench, I got to do legs, I got to do yeah. this. No, no, no. It's not that. It's just like just being active, you know, and, and in the beginning. Just doing you, something. Yeah, just get out, right? Like so yeah. in the beginning, your exercise might be doing that lap around the neighborhood one time. And then eventually, yeah, maybe you might be getting to a 5k in a couple of months or if you're battling cancer, you know, it's probably not advised to like really push your body, like getting your heart rate really high, but yeah. still it's important to get out and exercise into what fits for you. So that's so yes, critical. Yes, yeah, I work with cancer patients, so I work with their needs, right? So I I know how to look, how to read my my clients every single day. When they come to me, sometimes I have a plan in my mind for them, but then I see them and like, oh, wait a minute, I will have to change my plan. This person today is not looking so energetic as this person was looking yesterday. So today we are going to do more exercises on the floor with more stretches, they still working out. But yeah, that was one of the hardest thing for me because I was a hardcore exerciser before. Then I had this main surgery that I actually, I kind of screwed up my surgery a little bit <laughs> because I started lifting weights way too early. Now I have a hernia for my surgery. Well, that's <laughs> what happens, I have right? Have a, now I don't have a surgery to fix the hernia. I went to my surgeon yesterday because of oh. that. She was laughing. It's like, we knew you would get a hernia. You you can't stop. And then he told me, but when I, when you do the surgery for the hernia, you cannot lift or dance for six weeks. I was like, yeah. come on, doctor. Let's negotiate this better. Four weeks. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you go go too quick too soon, then the six weeks becomes 12 weeks and then 18 weeks. I know, weeks. that's what happened with me. But I don't regret, okay, this little pain of my... Of my uh, hernia was so worth it of all the things I've been living, you know? So another thing is, so all the things I'm talking about, supplementation and everything, I didn't take out of my brain out of nowhere. I read books, okay? I read about not starving the cancer. I read about all the natural stuff that people are doing out there that Depending on the type of cancer, again, I tell people, don't listen to me. My type of cancer is not 
as bad. It's bad, but not as bad. It's not going to kill me in a few months. Okay, so I can work with it for many years. I don't know, maybe for five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know how many years I'm going to have this cancer inside of me. Now I have on my liver. I might, I might have to have another surgery to take it out. But I live really healthy with a lot of energy, you know. So I studied a lot to be able to take all this stuff. What I know, antioxidants are not good for people who are going through chemo, for example. So that's why I say don't listen to me. Whatever you want to do, read and talk to a doctor, you know, because I wanted to take turmeric when uh, they told me I would be doing the, the, the radiation. I was like, well, I take this and this. I want to continue to... No, turmeric, you can't because that's going to affect the, the radiation and also the chemo, okay? So there are a lot of things. I do it because right now I'm, I feel healthy and I can just put a whole bunch of good stuff in my body that I know it's not going to hurt me, okay? Now, one thing I was talking about, uh, things you can do for your cells, right? That um, exercise... Nutrition and love. What the love was about? Many things. One, one thing that I was very, um, I, I really didn't want to take a lot of medication was a big mistake of mine. There is a space for medication. Okay. There is a space for medication and you need to know when is this a space. I spent all this month in so much pain, and the pain in your body causes sickness in your brain. Depression comes also, and vice versa, right? Depression yeah. comes from a pain in your body, too. As the pain in your body goes away, the pain in your brain starts going away, too. Your depression starts getting better. But I wish I started taking antidepressants. Right when I started getting depressed, depressed when I found out about cancer. But I was like, no way. No medication for me. I'm against that. I know I'm depressed, but I will make it. It's a Brazilian way of thinking. You know, in Brazil, we don't take so much medication like here in the U.S. <laughs> and we kind of judge a little bit people who take too much medication. It's like, yeah, whatever. We don't take medication. We deal with it. That was my stupid, ignorant mentality back then. I wish I started taking my medications early on. I started taking Prozac within six months because I was in so much depression. I was self-sabotaging. I was pushing people away. You know, I, I was in a very bad, I was in a very dark place. I'm not always, I was, as I say, I, I was not always this ball of energy that you see right now. You know, I was in a dark place and I, I started taking antidepressants. And it helped me so much with my brain. The other thing I started taking was medication for pain that I was avoiding. For almost six months, I was taking very little medication for pain. I would take just Tylenol or something like that, and I would just puff it up with that pain. The more pain you feel in your body, the more depression you're going to feel in your brain. So I made everything harder for me for being so close-minded about medication. So nowadays I tell people when they come to me, oh, the doctor wants me to take this. I say, Look, you have pancreatic cancer. You have cancer. You're going through a lot of pain right now. Now maybe it's time for you to open up your brain to start taking medication just to balance out all these chemicals in your body. And I wish I had this learning right in the beginning of my journey. It would have been much easier for me. On the other hand, it was painful. It was bad. Nowadays, it's not anymore. Nowadays, I'm in a very good place. And nowadays, I almost feel, feel grateful for going through the things I went through. It's almost like it was a soap opera or a movie. It didn't happen with me now that I go through all of this. Like, was, did this happen with me, really? And I went through all this by myself? Whoa, girl, I'm proud of you, you know? It, it made me so much stronger. It made me want to help people even more. 
that I used to do before. It is very, it is a very empowering, strong experience that I went through. I'm grateful for having cancer. If I didn't have cancer, I wouldn't meet all the people I met. I wouldn't be here talking to you guys and giving my point of view of life. Life is worth no matter how much pain you feel on that really, that very specific spot of your life. Everything passes. Everything goes by. And you become stronger. Yes. For example, if I was feeling this kind of pain that I'm feeling today, why I'm feeling pain today? Because I worked out a little bit, a little bit too much at the gym. I have a hernia. I cannot lift very heavy, but today I decided to lift a little bit heavier. So the pain came back, but it's not bothering me to the point that I'm, I'm going to stop doing anything in my life. I have three clients in the afternoon. I'm going to dance for two hours with another, uh, an advanced client that I have for, for dance. It doesn't stop me doing things because I'm feeling a little bit of pain that before I would. Now I'm like, ah, that's a little bit of pain. I've been through worse. So what? Tomorrow I'm not going to be feeling this pain. And as the, the time passes, as the days passes, pass, I notice that everything stays behind, you know, but some people need to go through things like that for whatever reason. And now I'm finding the reason. I'm finding the reason why I had to go through all this. I've been have one one other thing that I learned is not just cancer or pancreatic cancer. Most diseases that are bad, illnesses like that, they have the same or very similar um, effect that happens in the body, right? So symptoms. I I, I mm-hmm. wanted to say symptoms. Um, so I've been helping other people who don't even have cancer. I went to Brazil, my aunt, she had a bacteria in her heart and I was in the hospital helping her. She had the same symptoms as I had, you know, constipation or throwing up or nausea or high blood pressure or calcium change or sometimes low, sometimes high. So it's like, you don't even have cancer and you have the same symptoms. And I saw several people after my journey having the same kind of symptoms, but with another disease. So nowadays I know how they feel. Nowadays I know what to say. Nowadays I know how to help. Sometimes a person just wants that you to hold their hand and know that you've been there and you understand their pain. Because just being there, you can understand that pain. It's powerful stuff, um, you know, and and I think it, you know, what you just said about like other diseases. I mean, you know, fighting cancer is fighting cancer. I mean, yeah, there's there's certain cancers that uh, that impact people in a different way, and naturally, the medications that are given um, are different, right? For various cancers, the way that you know, cancer like leukemia and breast cancer and pancreatic cancer. Like you're still fighting cancer and there's still that mental piece that everyone that's going through cancer or going through some sort of debilitating disease is still fighting uh, very similarly. Treatments are different, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and there's different, uh, you know, options in terms of what's available. But I think what you said is so powerful because like there's this mental situation, this, this, the, the, the mental fight is sometimes the most important fight that people have uh, with diseases and these debil- debilitating issues that occur. I, I've got a question that, related to this. So your mm-hmm. current situation now, you're just in surveillance. Like you have the thing on the liver, you mm-hmm. you are just kind of, you're going back to life as before, naturally with having a hernia, things are different, uh, but you're, you're taking the supplements, you're eating differently, similar to where you were before, but adding in some things. But in terms of treatment wise, you're just kind of in a a wait and see mode, I guess. Yes. Pretty much every three months, I have to do three, four months, right? I have to do all the MRI and the PET scan. And uh, Friday, I have uh, a bunch of um, blood tests. Um, But yeah, right now, I'm the one taking care of... uh, of this temple here and see what's going to happen. Maybe this cancer is going to disappear. Cancer doesn't like my body. You know, my body is a pain in the neck for cancer. Because <laughs> cancer needs to be fed. 
And all I do is feeding the other cells and forgetting about it. And my, I had actually, they had put on me the, the, Port-a-cat. the port. Yep. Yes. And I just took it out about three weeks ago. I decided that I want it out. And then uh, people are asking, so your doctor told you you can take the, the port out? I was like, no. I told them that I want it out because I don't need chemo right now. Why do I have this to remind me every day that I have cancer? You know, I don't want to, I don't want this reminder. I would take it out. I would take it out. And if I ever need in the future, you know, they put it back. But right now I don't want that. So I, I love that you brought that up. I've got a couple questions left here for you, but one of the questions that I have just from being on your social media was body image. And so you're a dancer, uh, you're into fitness. As you said before, like you lost all that weight. It's not like a fitness person's not usually 90 pounds or 80 pounds in bone, right? Skin and bones. You know, they have that physique built to them and and being a dancer as well, right? Like dancers have, you know, a a certain aesthetic, I guess we could say. But I saw something on, and I saw the, the, the information about you having your port removed, but I also noticed you have this scar. And, and so a traditional Whipple scar is from sternum to, to belly button. Yep, you're showing it. Yeah, yeah look, so, look. Yeah, so it's you have this scar, scar, which is c- kind of from east to west on your stomach. But and wh- up and down as well. Up and down, yeah. So it's this yeah. gigantic scar, not to, to yeah. just stating the obvious here, not to be disrespectful. Yeah. But I saw something on your social media, which is wild, is you've done henna tattoos around the scar. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. It was actually one of my cancer clients who gave me an idea. Because I was uh, I never really liked tattoos myself, yeah. you know? And I don't like the fact that I would put one design there and have that design for the rest of my life. And then my client said, how about henna tattoos? It's like, oh, so I looked on on uh, on Amazon, and yeah. they actually sell they actually sell those Stencils. henna tattoos. They're adhesive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like ten bucks for a bunch of. Yeah. So, and then as I'm saying, I'm a I'm 47 years old. Okay, so pretty young to have cancer, first of all. But I live as a 27, pretty much. I always lived this way. I don't grow old. You're Brazilian. Brazilian. Brazilians don't grow old. My cousin is married to my cousin. I have a Brazilian cousin from marriage. She's she doesn't age. She doesn't age. I go young, you know. I go I go lower. I go low every year. So, anyways, I like to. And we live in San Diego. It's sunny, so I always like my little top, you know, showing my belly. And then with that scar, I was um, that side of mine. Uh, my self-esteem went down. I was like, oh, I can never wear that. I don't want people to see it because people, it's not that people think it's gross, but you notice that people, of course, I would look if someone comes next to me with this big scar, I would look just as a curious, my, our, our minds are curious, right? So I didn't want to show. So with the henna tattoo, I started showing my belly again, but for you to see how our brains are so tricky with us, I start showing with the henna tattoo like I had nothing over there. People don't even notice I have a, a, a scar. But then when the henna tattoo fade, fades down, sometimes I wear clothes without the henna tattoo nowadays, without even caring about what people are looking, mm. uh, what direction people are looking. So in my brain was this big thing of self-esteem about that tattoo. Then I put the henna tattoo, my brain erased that. And now even when I don't have the henna tattoo, I'm not self-conscious anymore, you know, but I loved the idea of the henna tattoo. <laughs> it can well, change. I, it's very artistic. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And what you just said is so powerful because, you, you know, we have this perception, right? And it, it's like this thing that it's that switch, right? And sometimes we need to put something on us. I've seen it in other cancers where women have, um, you know, with breast cancer, right? Where they will have tattooed, you know, certain things on their breasts to just make that switch. Right. Um, and so it's, it's super powerful and we've seen it other times. I've seen people, you know, where the kid has the cochlear, um, 
device on the back of their head and the father will do the tattoo to be the same thing so that, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's just mental, you know, that you're, that it's okay. Right. Uh, but it's just yeah. so powerful, you know, in, in terms of what you've gone through and not allowing really the, for the cancer and, and everything you've said here. And I've got one question left for you here, and then we're going to give our audience, sure. you know, where they can connect and follow you on social media. But what I've listened to almost, we've been talking here for an hour is just like, you've kind of continued to live your life the way you lived it before and, and all these things that you've done. And sometimes this happens on the podcast where, you know, I'm the listener here and I'm, I'm kind of like drawing a picture of what you're saying here. And, you know, there's like this, this pathway that people are on, but like you've been on that pathway, but like just because you got this cancer diagnosis doesn't mean that it kicked you off the pathway, right? It's just this this like bump in the road, but you're back on that path, road. right? And, and I think with with cancer, it's easy, and you've said this multiple times, you know, with what you've done from you know the working out, the yoga, the peace, the nutrition, the love, you know that this thing happened, but it's not defining you. It's not getting you off your path. Which hopefully the audience listening and watching when they when they see this episode sees that same strength and and it's just so powerful to hear that message because I think oftentimes you know this is a pancreatic cancer podcast right and we've brought other cancers on but you know we we focus here at pancreatic cancer here at Project Purple but oftentimes with this disease it's so daunting when people get diagnosed but to hear a story of hope and to to realize like hey you don't have to change everything or, Hey, maybe you should add some of these things into your life to make it better. Is just so powerful mm -hmm. for someone who's gone through that journey. Right. So yeah, it's, it, for me, it's pretty empowering having cancer. I feel more like, I feel more like a superhero now <laughs> well, you than are. I was before. You, you know, are. I feel, I feel like a champion. I do. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say that I feel stronger than before, more powerful than before. Um, it is, it gives you, if you let, if you let it, it gives you more empowerment to live a much better life. Because as I said, I don't know if I'm going to die in one year from this cancer, five years or 10 years, or if I'm just going to cross the street here, across the street here, and I'm going to be hit by a car and I'm going to die, it doesn't, you don't have to think that the cancer is going to kill you. And even if you go, live the best life as you have until then. And everybody should be living life this way. Because if it's not cancer, it can be something else. It can be other disease. It can be an accident or whatever. Just live your life just as best as you can. And that's what I do. I don't think about this little peanut that's in my liver over here. I think about taking care of my temple as much as I can and living my life as best as I can because I prefer living two years of very, very good intense life than living 10 years in treatment. That's my opinion. I'm not saying that other people should not think this way. It's not the correct, for most, for a lot of people, it's not a correct way to think. That's my way to think. I prefer to live two years intensely, enjoying the sun, hiking, traveling. I'm traveling more now. I have less money. <laughs> I travel more and I travel more because before it, we always think, well, I need to make more money to be able to do the things that I want to do, to travel. I love traveling. That's like the main thing in my life is fitness and traveling. Okay. So, I started to travel more. I'm not so much worried about debt or anything like that because at the end, I used to say this, every, at the end, everything is going to be all right. If it's not all right, it's not all right yet, it's not the end. So right. I live one day at a time intensely, intensely and enjoying and being healthy and giving receiving i learned to receive a lot because when i was getting um when i was very very sick i had to have many many friends and clients coming to my house one person to clean another one to cook another one to take me to the bathroom so i had to learn to receive 
So I learned all this after cancer. You know, I feel more empowered. Um, I feel I want to be better than I was before cancer. I want to be stronger than I was before cancer. And I don't care if this is going to last for just a few months, for just a couple of years, but they're going to be the best in my life. That I know. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be like a hundred years in other people's lives. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So my last question here then, with your experience and everything you've gone through, how do you define when I say, what is pancreatic cancer? What's your definition of it? And there's no right or wrong to this. This is just really your your answer to that question. Well, um, again, for me, it's kind of complicated to say because, um, as I say, my cancer is not the super bad one. Okay, so it's. I think even to have the kind of mentality that I have, first of all, before cancer, I was already a very positive person, living a very intense life. Then I got the pancreatic cancer. It's a monster. When you read on the internet, it kills most people and it's going to damage you. It's going to do this and this and this. And that's the monster in our brain. But you can change that mentality of this thing being a monster to being, let's say, a positive thing that was put inside of you for you to live a better life when you when you feeling better you're gonna feel better you know again it might be because it might be with treatment with um with uh surgery eventually you're gonna feel better you don't know if you're gonna feel better for three years five years but when you're better just do the the best as you can. Use this pancreatic cancer to learn the moment, to live in the moment, in the present. Okay, I'm feeling pain. I'm learning with this pain, but you know it's going to go away. And when it go, goes away, the days you have that's uh, uh, positive days, make that day the best day of your life. It doesn't matter if it's going to be your last day, if it's going to be your last year. But make it the best. So for me, the pancreatic cancer came as a monster and became kind of a god inside of me that brought me life, light to my life. That's what pancreatic cancer is for me nowadays. I'm I'm grateful for having this cancer. Powerful answer. Our last thing here before we say goodbye for our audience listening at home or watching, I know we mentioned social media. Where's the best place for someone to reach out, maybe talk to you about what you've done, or, or maybe just follow your journey and, and be inspired in, in what you're doing? Yes, I, and I post everything. I'm an open book, as I said. I like to inspire people. It's part of my personality. Some people are more private. I'm not private at all. So... <laughs> <laughs> my Facebook, it's Gomez with S, not Z, Gomez Fabiola. So if you get to Facebook, make sure you send me a message. Hey, I saw your message on Facebook, so I know it's, I know it's not any cripper trying to <laughs> be weird with me. Yeah, there's <laughs> plenty know, of I those. Thought I, would, I would love to be your friend. Yes, you're very welcome. Or on uh, on Instagram, I, I the the cancer one I don't remember my the cancer one, but I don't post there much nowadays because nowadays I don't focus on the cancer. I focus on the life the cancer gives to me every day. So on Instagram, I'm fabulous, fab, dance, fit. That's exactly what I am: fabulous, fab, dance, fit. So um, over there, you can follow me. I put my journey, my dances, my hikes, my trips, all my exercises. Today, I put an exercise on the playground. So it shows the moms that, they're, hey, there's no excuse. You take your kid to the playground. You work out at the playground with your kid. So, yeah. So those are the two better places. And my website is FabiolaGomez.com. I almost spoke in Portuguese here. <laughs> FabiolaGomez.com. Gomez with S again. And over there has all the services I do. Dance classes. I do massages too. I'm a massage therapist. I do um, personal training. 
and uh, I perform uh, samba dancing. I do all sorts of this funny stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Fabiola, thank you for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast and for sharing your journey. Um, and I look forward to following you now on, on social media and, and following your journey and, and everything that comes from it. Thank you so much for having me here. I hope I inspired some people. And guys, it is a hard journey. I'm not saying that everything is all light and positive. And it's okay to live in the present and to be negative when you have to be negative, to feel sad when you have to be, to feel sad. But just think about it. It will pass. And you're going to change. And you're going to learn. You're going to grow. And you're going to love life again. Thank you, Fabiola. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to share this episode. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Till next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. <laughs>